Politico Report is a weekly public affairs program providing independent media coverage of environmental and ecological studies with a focus on local, state, and regional people, issues, and events in order to foster open discussion of human relationships with nature and the earth and to encourage you to take personal responsibility for living sustainably in the world. EcoReport is produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana and financially supported by listeners like you. Hello and welcome to EcoReport. For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Cynthia Roberts. And now for your environmental reports. The Federal Inflation Reduction Act, according to a story by WFYI, could help Indiana utilities and other businesses to adopt renewable energy like solar. But whether it will encourage Indiana residents to do the same is unclear. Indiana University professor David Koninsky researches environmental and energy policy. Quote, so for utilities, there's a lot of money on the table to sort of nudge them towards investing more in cleaner technologies. That's really important for Indiana because we don't have state policy that's been pushing very hard in that direction, end quote, he said. The bill would also extend tax breaks for residential solar panels for about a decade and create new tax credits for battery storage. Alex Jork is with Whole Sun Designs in Bloomington, which installs solar panels for homeowners and some commercial businesses. He said the outlook for the business has been bleak. Because of a state law, Hoosiers who install solar panels will now get fewer credits for the excess energy they deliver back to the grid, making solar less affordable. Federal tax breaks for residential solar are also supposed to disappear by 2024. But Jork said extending those tax credits could put solar installers closer to business as usual next year. The bill also includes new tax credits for people who buy battery storage to accompany that solar. Laura Ann Arnold with the Indiana Distributed Energy Alliance said as utilities continue to raise rates, this could encourage some people to get solar with storage, lowering their monthly bills and reducing their dependence on the grid. Quote, so if there's a power outage, you can continue to have electricity for your home by drawing on your energy storage system, end quote, Arnold said. Though Jork said few homes are set up for residents to go completely off-grid, something utilities fear could drive up costs for their customers without solar. The Inflation Reduction Act also provides rebates for home energy efficiency improvements like heat pumps and other electric appliances. Jork said it's an opportunity for solar companies like Whole Sun Designs to expand their businesses or partner with others that do that work. The Indiana Environmental Reporter said in a press release that the EPA and the state of Indiana filed a complaint in the Southern District of Indiana against Metalworking Lubricants Company, or MLC, for allegedly emitting excessively high amounts of hazardous air pollutants that violated the Clean Air Act. MLC held a federally enforceable state operating permit, or FESOP, 
which provides for the emissions that the company is legally allowed to produce and release into the environment determined by the Indiana Department for Environmental Management. Under the permit, MLC had to record the total static pressure drop across their air scrubber, and if it was outside of the normal range, the FESOP required them to take responsive steps to correct the issue. However, after receiving odor complaints from the surrounding community, the EPA investigated MLC on July 8th of 2011 and found that they had failed to take reasonable steps when the pressure drop of the scrubber was out of range and had failed to maintain scrubber pressure logs. Upon further investigation, the EPA found that from March of 2011 to June of 2013, MLC scrubber was outside of the acceptable range for 356 days, including a 21-day consecutive time period, which meant that MLC was neglecting to properly maintain their air scrubber. By February 2017, the plaintiffs found that there were more than 1,000 occasions where the air scrubber's values were outside of the acceptable range, which caused MLC to release more toxic chemicals into the air than they were authorized to do. Thus, the EPA and the state of Indiana are suing for five violations of the FESOP for excessively emitting toxins from their facility and for a violation of Title V. Indiana is seeking civil penalties of up to $37,500 per day for each violation that occurred before November 2, 2015, and $109,024 per day for each violation that occurred after November 2, 2015. Civil penalties of up to $25,000 per day for each violation of their permits, injunctive release, attorney's fees, and cost and other relief. A mass die-off of ocean plankton is occurring, with 90% gone since baseline levels were established in 1940. Plankton is composed of billions of marine organisms, both animals and plants, that drift on the currents of oceans. It includes a huge variety of species, many of them microscopic. It is essential to life on Earth since it constitutes the bottom rung of the food chain. Krill ingest plankton, and krill provide food for fish that, in turn, supply nutrition for land animals, including billions of humans. Many types of plankton play a key role in regulating climate change by aiding oceans in absorbing carbon dioxide and giving off the chemical dimethyl sulfide, which helps to create clouds. The new research on plankton, done over two years on the Atlantic Ocean by the Global Oceanic Environmental Survey Foundation, blames the loss of plankton on human-made pollution from plastics, synthetic fertilizers, cosmetics, sunscreen, and pharmaceuticals contaminating the water. The scientists stated, quote, an environmental catastrophe is unfolding. We believe humanity could adapt to global warming and extreme weather changes. It is our view that humanity will not survive the extinction of most marine plants and animals, end quote. Plankton is also sensitive to oil, which the shipping industry spills into the seas and which breaks up into tiny particles that are toxic to plankton. Pollution is making the oceans more acidic, but plankton needs a slightly alkaline environment. The flood of synthetic chemicals plus the overload of carbon dioxide in the oceans are making the oceans more acidic, and eventually the plankton will dissolve. 
Inside Climate News reports restoring and protecting beaver and wolf populations and reducing cattle grazing across large tracts of the western United States could be a big part of meeting President Joe Biden's goal of conserving at least 30% of the country's lands, lakes, and rivers by 2030, a new study suggests. Both animals are keystone species that help shape the landscapes they live in and bringing them back in a big way could help forests and streams struggling to adapt to rising temperatures and aridification, a team of 20 scientists concluded in a paper published in the journal Bioscience. An expanded wolf population would thin out herds of elk and deer that hamper forest regeneration when they browse on tender young trees. Beavers would modulate flows along the streams and rivers by building dams that create areas of soggy soil and absorb water during heavy rains and release it back slowly in drier times. Both species were nearly wiped out as Europeans invaded North America and settlers moved westward, but they are making a slow comeback despite some social and political resistance. The new paper proposes to speed the process by creating a 193,000 square mile rewilding network spanning parts of 11 western states where reestablishing those two species would spur a self-reinforcing chain of bioclimate feedbacks. The positive feedback loop would lead to greater carbon storage in the wetlands and in recovering forests and provide more protection from extreme floods. The climate crisis could exacerbate over 200 infectious diseases in humans, according to a new study published in Nature Climate Change. The researchers constructed a map of all the climate dangers that could interact with 375 human infectious diseases. A review of 77,000 scientific articles on diseases and climate hazards like heat waves, rising sea levels, and wildfires revealed that climate changes could exacerbate 218 of the 375 diseases. One example is disease-carrying mosquitoes. Higher temperatures can make the environment more favorable to them. Another example is disease-carrying bacteria. More frequent storms can carry bacteria in their torrents of water. The scientists found four major ways climate changes aggravate human diseases. First, animals that carry diseases move closer to humans, as is the case when viruses jump from animals to humans, Zika and the coronavirus, for example. Second, people also move closer to disease-carrying animals after storms and floods. Third, climate changes boost pathogens, as heat does to mosquito populations. Last, climate changes harm people's ability to deal with diseases. For instance, large variations in temperature can weaken the human immune system. The CBS News reports that in Las Vegas, Nevada, it comes to this. Climate change has helped make water ever scarcer, so under a new Nevada law, the grass has got to go. Quote, when we look at outdoor water use in southern Nevada, landscaping far and away is the largest water user and of that, it's grass, end quote, said Bronson Mack of the Las Vegas Water Authority. The city's already pulled up about 4 million square feet of grass on public property so far this year because thirsty green parkways are something they can't afford anymore. Quote, the grass that you see behind me is not long for this world, end quote, Mack told correspondent Tracy Smith. Quote, in fact, within the next couple of months to a year, this grass will be completely eliminated, end quote. 
and every drop counts, so water waste investigators, also known as water cops, patrol the neighborhoods, taking note of who's watering when and how much of that water goes down the drain. Lake Mead, which supplies water to Las Vegas, is down 187 feet from full pool. In Oak Flat, Nevada, a showdown is underway between the Rio Tinto Mining Company and the Apache Stronghold, a coalition of Apaches and non-Apache supporters. Oak Flat is an upland at the heart of the Arizona that has beautiful peaks and forests and is a favorite area for campers, hikers, and rock climbers. Most importantly, it's the center of the San Carlos Apache tribe's religion. Wensler Nosy Senior of the Apache Stronghold calls it, quote, the most sacred site where we connect with our creator, our faith, our families, and our land. It's a place of healing that has been sacred to us since long before Europeans arrived on this continent, end quote. Since 2004, two mining companies, Rio Tinto and BHP, have been trying to initiate a joint venture, Resolution Copper Mine, to exploit the metal underlying Oak Flat. The local residents opposed the plan, as did President Eisenhower, who in 1955 signed an order stipulating that Oak Flat, which is in the Tonto National Forest, was off limits for mining. Resolution Copper acknowledges the type of mining it plans to use could create a crater in Oak Flat that's two miles wide. Local residents also point out that the project would create a massive amount of waste and require enough water to threaten the state's water supply. Rio Tinto has a well-deserved bad reputation for failing to respect indigenous culture. Two years ago, in Western Australia, the company blew up two 46,000-year-old sacred aboriginal caves to expand a profitable iron ore mine despite the cave's archaeological and religious significance. After years of legal wrangling, the Apaches are appealing to the Supreme Court on the basis that the mine will obliterate their religious freedom. The Smithsonian Magazine featured a story that after years of drought in the Southwest, a stretch of the Rio Grande, once flowing through Albuquerque, has run dry for the first time in 40 years. Officials warn that the conditions will likely get worse in the upcoming days. Most people in Albuquerque who have lived here have grown up always seeing the river have water, said Jason Kasuga, CEO of the Middle Rio Grande Conservancy District. As of last late July, 85% of New Mexico was under severe, extreme, or exceptional drought conditions, according to the U.S. Drought Monitor. 100% of Bernalillo County, where Albuquerque is located, was experiencing severe drought conditions. The water level has gotten so low that people can walk across the riverbed, and those fishing along the bank have abandoned their pools to scoop fish up with their hands from the remaining puddles. The 100-mile stretch of river running through the city supplies water to agricultural lands in the area and is home to the endangered Rio Grande silvery minnow. Officials have started collecting minnows stranded by the river's low or non-existent flow. This is virtually the sole source of water in the central part of New Mexico, and we're not trying to save it just for the fish, said Andy Dean, a federal biologist. Quote, it's our job as the Fish and Wildlife Service to prevent the extinction of this animal, but this water is also for everybody in the valley. We're trying to save it for everybody, and if the fish is that piece that helps us do that, then that's what we have to use. 
Norwalk, Connecticut has passed an ordinance banning pesticides and implementing pesticide-free management of all public spaces throughout the city. The ordinance follows nearby Stamford's Organic Community Ordinance passed last September. Before passage of the Norwalk Ordinance, the city's land managers were embracing the need to move towards safer approaches to land care and responded to public requests to move in that direction. A local grassroots group called Pesticide Free Rowayton secured a pesticide-free lawn care program on six public parks, and staff began phasing out the use of the carcinogenic weed killer Roundup, the active ingredient in which is the chemical glyphosate. The ordinance prohibits all pesticides on Norwalk City property unless use is addressing poison ivy or is specified in a land management plan required to be developed by the Director of Recreation and Parks and the city's Chief of Operations. The land management plant must embrace an organic systems approach to land care, including regular soil testing, the use of only organic fertilizers, careful plant selection, physical and biological controls, consideration of pest biology, and preventive practices that eliminate pest-conducive conditions. Said Norwalk City Council member Lisa Shanahan, who pressed for the ordinance, quote, It's in the best interest of the city and its residents to protect the ecological integrity of the Long Island Sound, Norwalk's rivers and streams, and improve and protect water quality throughout our region. These lethal chemicals blindly kill and make no distinction between pests and beneficial insects and healthy organisms, end quote. Industrial salmon producers in Tasmania, Australia, are killing protected fur seals by detonating underwater bombs called seal crackers. Tasmania, the island state off the south coast of mainland Australia, is a pristine marine wilderness and one of the last places to touch land before reaching Antarctica. Whales, dolphins, protected Australian fur seals, and rare New Zealand long-nosed seals live there. Seal crackers are designed to emit piercing noises and flashes of light that reverberate through the ocean and scare seals away, but they also cause bone injuries, soft tissue burns, prolapsed eyeballs, and in some cases, death, often from blunt force trauma. Commercial floating salmon pens are not only disastrous for the environment, depositing huge amounts of waste, antibiotics, and growth hormones into pristine marine environments, they're also a magnet for hungry seals. Also, the salmon industry poses other threats. Diseases spread from crowded salmon pens to wild fish, and large marine animals get caught and tangled in the nets. Instead of moving the pins onshore, away from the seal's natural habitat, salmon producers detonate underwater explosives whenever seals come close. The three main Tasmanian salmon producers have set off over 77,000 seal crackers in the last four years. Those underwater explosives aren't the only threat to the seals. Salmon producers also use shotguns to fire lead-filled projectiles at the seals. Those projectiles become embedded in the seal's skin causing permanent injuries. Indigenous people in Tasmania who have been caring for the land and ocean for centuries have been speaking out against commercial fish producers in their waters because of their impacts on the whole ecosystem. A new study has found that the climate crisis is causing major disruptions to European birds, from shifting their nesting dates to decreasing their chick numbers to even changing their general body sizes. The study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences 
found that rising temperatures and non-temperature effects of climate change are transforming European birds, such as garden warblers, chiff chaffs, and crested tits. The authors focused on data collected on 60 species in Britain since the mid-1960s, reviewing changes in egg laying, body form, and number of offspring. From there, researchers determined what impacts were caused by higher temperatures and what other factors played a role in these transformations. More than half, about 57%, of the effects were linked to increasing temperatures, but other factors like habitat loss, pollution, invasive species, and diseases also contributed. About 32% of the 60 species studied experienced body changes related to heat stress. The researchers found that 86% of birds in the study experienced a shift in egg-laying dates, with 31% of the 60 birds also experiencing a change in the regular number of offspring. Quote, For example, climate change caused chiff-chaffs to lay their eggs six days earlier over the last 50 years, but other unknown environmental factors led to an additional six days, meaning in total they now lay their eggs 12 days earlier than they did half a century ago, end quote. Martin van de Poel, lead author of the paper from James Cook University in Australia, told The Guardian. Similarly, garden warblers saw a decrease in offspring by 26%, which can be detrimental to the species. While some species are experiencing lower offspring numbers and shrinking body sizes, some of the birds in the study faced opposite impacts, Red starts are growing larger and having more offspring. For Eco Report, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Cynthia Roberts. Here at Eco Report, we are currently looking for reporters, engineers, and segment producers. Our goal is to report facts on how we're all affected by global climate disruption and the ongoing assaults on our air, land, and water. We also celebrate ecologists, tree huggers, soil builders, and an assortment of champions who actively protect and restore our natural world, particularly those who are active in South Central Indiana. All levels of experience in all ages are welcome, and we provide the training you'll need. WFHB also offers internships. To volunteer for Eco Report, give us a call at 812-323-1200 or email us at earth at wfhb.org. And now for some upcoming events. Cave River Valley Day will take place at Spring Mill Park on Saturday, August 20th. Events begin at 10 a.m. There are no restrooms in the Cave River Valley area of the Spring Mill State Park. Bring water, snacks, bug spray, and a change of shoes. You will be walking through creek beds. For a list of all the events for the day, go to the Spring Mill State Park website. See an eastern box turtle during turtle time at Brown County State Park on Sunday, August 21st from 11 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. You will get to see it get fed and then take it on a walk. Learn about the unique adaptation these creatures have, what issues they face, and how you can help. Meet on the lawn near the Friends Picnic Shelter. Take a hike on the Trail 3 hike at Spring Mill State Park on Saturday, August 27th from 9 to 10 a.m. Meet Tony at the Twin Caves parking lot. On the hike, you will learn about and see some plants that used to have or were thought to have medicinal value. The trail is partially rugged. An upcycled speakers program is scheduled for Sunday, August the 28th from 10 to 11.30 a.m. at the Paintown State Recreation Area at Monroe Lake. 
drop by the campground playground to make a simple speaker for a smartphone out of uncycled materials. You will also get ideas for how to upcycle and reuse items before discarding them. EcoReport is brought to you in part by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812-334-4003 and on the web at mpisolarenergy.com. This week's headlines were written by Norm Holy and Linda Green. Juliana Daly assembled the script and Linda Green and Patrick Callanan edited it. Juliana Daly compiled our events calendar. Patrick Callanan produced and audio edited today's show. For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly. And I am Cynthia Roberts. And this is Eco Report. You've been listening to the Eco Report. A volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB. In Bloomington, Indiana. Available for download and podcast at news.wfhb.org. Eco Report is your independent, ecologically inspired news source. For South Central Indiana. Bringing you news that the earth wants you to hear. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Eco Report staff. The email address is earth at wfhb.org. That's earth at wfhb.org.